You're listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. So as we are starting this uh, series on the spiritual gifts, on gifted, I would encourage you today, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. We're going to have two kind of key passages of Scripture that we look at today. Uh, the first of those is going to be 1 Corinthians 2, I mean, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And then we're also going to be looking at Romans 12, 1 through 8. So if you want to just uh, put a little bookmark in one of those uh, as you're turning to those passages of Scripture, we really are looking at the spiritual gifts, not so much as how is this saying something about me, like it's some kind of a personality test or something like that. What I really want you to start thinking about is the spiritual gifts in the context of how can these gifts be used by God to build up the church so that we can accomplish the mission of God here in our community. Okay, so how can these spiritual gifts really be used by God to build up this local body of believers so that we can accomplish the mission that God has for us here in this community and to the ends of the earth? And as we're thinking like that, I was trying to think about some different, uh, like what's a good metaphor for this? And, and honestly, I can't really think of just one because it's like, you know, you'll maybe connect with one. You're like, I'm so tired of sports metaphors or I'm so tired of history metaphors. So I'm going to throw a few at you and it's going to be kind of like a little choose your own adventure. You pick the one that you like the best. And so, uh, so if you're like a big sports nerd, okay, we think about, uh, think about this like a, like a football team. Okay, so people want to think about the quarterback, but uh, how many people out there ever saw that movie, The Blind Side? Anybody ever see that movie? Famous, you know. Well, this is, this, here's, here's the book nerd in me coming out. If you'd read the book about The Blind Side, um, so what you'd see is that, like half the book is really not so much about the story that you saw in the movie, is it's about uh, how the NFL came to value the left tackle. Okay, how many people knew left tackle was a position in football? A couple people who, who played football or maybe watched it a little bit. But left tackle is an offensive lineman on the left-hand side that guards the quarterback's blind side. Okay, so that, how that valuation of that position began to go up and how those left tackles started to get paid a lot more. But what had previously been just a very kind of overlooked position became one of the most valuable spots in the NFL is kind of what that story is about. So it's taking one person on the team that most people are not going to think of. They're not going to get the uh, – they're not going to get the – the big commercial endorsements, they're not going to get that kind of stuff. But you see that this person on the offensive line is really one of the most valuable positions on the entire team. Okay, so there's your sports metaphor. Um, if you're like a history nerd, uh, one of my favorite history books is by Doris Kearns, good one, Team of Rivals. It's about um, Abraham Lincoln and his cabinet. Okay, so he, uh, when Lincoln becomes president, he chooses a cabinet around him in a different way than most people do, in the fact that he chooses a lot of his opponents, a lot of people who disagree with him. He chooses people from the South. He chooses people who are radical Republicans. He chooses and radical abolitionists. He chooses people who are not even abolitionists. He chooses all these different people from different positions and different strengths. They're literally fighting each other, barricading themselves in their offices at different times. Um, you know, but ultimately, all of them have one goal, which is to preserve the union. And so it's able to, in some genius way, their different gifts are able to come together and achieve this common purpose. 
Uh, if you're like a, a Tolkien nerd, okay? Just think about the Fellowship of the Rings, okay? Think about the Fellowship of the Ring. You have all these people with different strengths and different talents and different gifts and different abilities. Uh, people that other people, like the, the hobbits, if you, if you don't, have never read Tolkien and don't like it, just check out for a couple seconds, it'll be fine. Uh, but, you know, you got these little hobbits who are like the least, most overlooked people in the entire, you know, in all Middle Earth, and yet they have this central role to play in accomplishing this incredible mission to save the world. Are you, and if you would rather think about a family, or you would rather think about a, you know, a ship, or if you would rather think about a, uh, you know, the Avengers, there's a lot of different metaphors you could apply to this. But uh, uh, without going into every single one of these, pick the metaphor that you like the best, and, uh, and we'll move forward from there. So ultimately, hopefully you can see what we're looking at is a group of people with different strengths, with different talents, with different abilities. And I think that the reason those things resonate so much with us in the world, when we look at them or watch movies about them, is because they reflect a deeper reality, a spiritual reality that God has really uh, laid out for us in the church and in how we're called to accomplish the mission that he has for us in the world. And I think that we're going to be able to see that really clearly today as we look at these spiritual gifts. So hopefully by this point, you've been able to uh, locate 1 Corinthians 12. And so we're going to start there with 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 11. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And the other passage of Scripture, if you want to flip over there for just a second, is Romans chapter 12. In Romans 12, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. So starting in verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so, 
some initial thoughts on these verses. So first of all, God has given every believer a spiritual gift that's to be used to edify and to equip the people of God for the mission of God. We see very clearly in these passages, they're not me-focused. They're not about my individual journey of discovery. They're about building up the body of Christ. Uh, in this series, we're not going to be really getting into the theological weeds a whole lot. We're not going to be trying to get on the far edges of some of the things with spiritual gifts. I know a lot of times people may get concerned with that when they hear, oh, it's a series on spiritual gifts. That's not really going to be our focus. If you want to talk um, you know, offline about, you know, what do you think about cessationism or continuationism? Some of you are like, I don't even know what that stuff is. Great, this series is for you. If you want to talk about that and that we can apply to all of our lives, and that we need to apply to our lives, that is going to be, uh, provide plenty of material for us over the next seven weeks. And so once we're walking in that, we're going we're to try to focus on those things for, for this time period, not really just getting off into kind of theological debates. Because again, what we see very clearly in the context of both of these passages is that Paul is trying to say that these gifts are to bring unity and not division to the church. So your, your thoughts, hopefully, as we're going through this series, are going to be, how has God gifted me, and how can I be using this gifting to build up the church and accomplish the mission of God in the world? And we see clearly a couple of things from, from Scripture as well. One of the things we see clearly, though, is that every believer, every true believer, is baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, uh, and we believe very clearly that this happens when you become a believer, when you become a Christian. Um, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink from the one spirit. He's talking to all of the believers here. So this is for the believers in this church at Corinth, all of them baptized into this spirit. We also see clearly, um, and we see this after the passage we just read in Romans, um, that the fruit of the Spirit flows out of every believer. This is the key sign that someone is a believer. Scripture is very clear. The fruits of the Spirit are the evidence of someone's salvation, not something that we might try to elevate to that, like speaking in tongues or some kind of supernatural gifts. It's the fruits of the Spirit, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that demonstrate that faith that we have. The Spirit is indwelling inside of us. So let's go to a definition then with some of those initial thoughts. Let's go to a definition of what a spiritual gift is. So a spiritual gift uh, the definition we're going to work with over the next few weeks is that a spiritual gift is a God-given ability that enables the people of God together to participate in the purpose of God through ordinary means with supernatural outcomes. It's a gift of God, uh, as a gift that is God-given ability that enables the people of God together to participate in the purpose of God through ordinary means with supernatural outcomes. Outcomes, And when we're looking at these gifts today, we're going to give you in just a second, we're going to go through a list of these gifts briefly. And when we do that, um, we're going to be pulling from uh, the two passages we just read. Also, another uh, list of these is in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, which I encourage you to read this week on your, own, uh, on your own time. At some point, we will be coming back to all of these passages over the next few weeks. 
Um, but we're kind of, the wording is a little bit different, and so we're drawing from, the, if you read any different book or commentary on the spiritual gifts, they might be phrased or worded a little bit differently than the way that we phrase them, but ultimately the functions are going to be the same. So if you have any questions about why they're worded a certain way or what's you know, something you think may be left out, please feel free to come and talk to us about that, um, but it'll probably be something that, that gets addressed at some point during the, the, few, the several weeks that we're talking during the course of this series. Now, it's interesting looking at the background of, of these passages, especially, like I was saying, in 1 Corinthians, the entire context of this spiritual gift conversation is in Paul addressing a self-centered church and challenging them to become a selfless church. Uh, the irony of that is that so many times the church has been divided over issues like the spiritual gifts. But once again, this is why we're trying to focus on the fact that the spiritual gifts are given to build up, to unify, to edify the body of Christ. So that's going to be our mind as we're discussing this. And in 1 Corinthians, the gifts are seen as these spiritual special abilities from the Spirit that are given for service. They're supernatural in the way they are. They're not something we can just naturally do on our own, and they accomplish these supernatural outcomes. In Romans, the people are called to be living sacrifices for practical service to the church. So in every way we see these, they're to be selfless, they're to be self-giving, and they're to be for the good of others. We see a unified people with unique gifts for one purpose. The spiritual gifts should, should truly inspire selfless unity, not selfless division. Think back to whichever metaphor you chose at the beginning. Okay, In every one of these cases, it's people working towards the common good, giving of themselves, sacrificing of themselves for other people. If you want to have a successful uh, football team, you're going to be having to give, it, give of yourselves, fulfill your role, give of yourself for the, the common good. If you want to accomplish some massive quest in Middle Earth, it's the same kind of thing. It's not about you. It's about the purpose that's brought you together. And as we're thinking about the church, too often when we're in the church, we end up thinking about ourselves. What is this church giving to me? What am I receiving from this church? And instead, we need to think about it as how can I use the giftings that God has given me to build up and edify the church to accomplish the mission of God in the world? So let's think about those things as we run through some of these specifics as we're introducing these gifts today. Uh, so at this, at this point, I'm going to go through several of these spiritual gifts, just make a brief comment on each of these. We're going to be dealing with these in a little more detail and depth as we go forward throughout this series. Uh, but just to give you a, a little introduction to what these specific spiritual gifts are, and again, like I said, these are kind of brought from those three key passages and the, the names are, are changed a little bit, tweaked a little bit, just to kind of bring some uniformity to that. So we have the gift of teaching. The, uh, this has also been referred to in some of these passages, uh, the, the message of wisdom or the message of knowledge. So teachers expound and unpack the word of God, imparting, uh, imparting instruction based on truth that's already been revealed. So basically, they're taking Scripture, they're taking the clear teaching of Scripture and unpacking that in a way that people can apply that to their lives. So the gift of faith, this is not the same thing as saving faith, okay? So this is a, an, an additional type of faith. So the way that we, we kind of see faith is an ignoring or amidst of turbulent times in the world or those types of things. Or maybe even just in a very ordinary life, inspiring others through their tremendous faith and trust in God. But this is kind of an additional, uh, almost visionary trust and faith in God in the midst of the circumstances of life. 
We also have this gift of, of healing and miracles. And again, this is one of those that at times people will separate into different ones, but healing and miracles, this is a, a consistent ability to heal bodily illness or sickness or perform supernatural miracles. This is where something like exorcisms or things like that will be included. And again, not getting into all the implications of that at this point, but just mentioning what the scripture is going to reveal about these specific things. Um, the next is distinguishing between the spirits. And this is the ability to discern what is true and false, what is good and evil. Discernment is a good way to think about this one. Uh, you might think about the, Paul whenever he sees this uh, the slave girl in Acts who, who has this spirit and she's able to prophesy and foretell things and he knows this is an evil spirit. This kind of distinguishing between those spirits. Helping, and this is one of my favorites, okay? So helping, or service. Here's the, here's the thing. There have never been any mass movements or church splits in the history of the church over people fighting to gain service as their spiritual gift, okay? No one really uh, gets desperate or envious over other people because they're just really good servants, which to me says there's probably something really important about this spiritual gift. So this is just the, the practical giving of yourself for a lot of those in the background, non-glamorous um, ways to help other people or to help the body of Christ, this is the kind of thing, again, specifically mentioned as a gift that you're not going to see books written about. You're not going to have conferences hosted on, but is, is really important for us and is one of those things where a lot of times people are like, man, if I'm just a gift to serve, that's, that's kind of, no, we're not ranking these things. There's no list where it ranks the good ones. You know, there are some that are mentioned as less important gifts, but service is not one of those. Service is, is a, an important gift in the church. Um, so helping. Administration. And this isn't exactly what we think of a lot of times as administration. This is not necessarily just the people you stick on the finance team. Um, this is really seen as leadership, as leadership, uh, kind of visionary, God-ordained leadership, uh, stewardship, wise stewardship in providing godly vision. Um, exhortation. And the exhortation is a little different than teaching. Exhortation would also include encouragement and so this is really uh, urging others to live righteous lives and encouraging others in their faith and truth. Counseling would be included here. Um, preaching would be part of this. Preaching is kind of a combination between teaching and exhortation. Uh, giving. And again, like with many of these spiritual gifts, these are things that all Christians, uh, giving is something that all Christians should do. But some people have been gifted in supernatural ways to be very giving people. They've given the means and the desire and the heart to do so. And man, would God increase their number? That would be incredible. Um, so giving. So these people who are called to supernaturally give so that the mission of God can be accomplished in the world. Mercy. This is a special capacity to minister to those who are hurting or who are in need. Uh, you, you, you know people like this who are just very compassionate. Um, evangelism. Again, every believer should be able to explain the gospel and why they have the hope in the gospel and their faith in, in sort of basic ways and be able to, to express that faith to others and share that faith to others. But some people are just supernaturally gifted. If you've ever known someone like this, it's really incredible to see. They just have this ability to connect with people and share their faith with people and, and encourage people to believe in Jesus. And it's an incredible gift that people have. 
um, apostles. We can look at this in kind of a specific way and maybe a more broad type of way. A specific way that we would define apostles, a very narrow kind of way, would be those who've seen the risen Jesus. Uh, and, and that would be something that happens in the, in the New Testament, and that's kind of the end of it. So it would be the disciples and then Paul. Um, in maybe a broader sense, you might hear people apply this as, as a church planter or a pioneer missionary kind of a thing. They have kind of an, an apostolic function. Um, so the, those are the ways that we would kind of look at that apostolic gift. Prophecy. So prophecy can mean proclaiming God's word. Some people equate that to preaching. Um, in other ways, some people are going to, the, the scripture definitely has a sense where prophecy is new revelation. Okay, where it's new revelation from God. And that's where we have to be really careful about accuracy and those kinds of things. Um, so you're not going to be a prophet if you're going to be having this prophetic gifting and equate it with biblical prophecy. That's the kind of thing where you're going to be right 100% of the time. Okay, this is not going to be, I kind of had this feeling about the end of the world in 1997 and it didn't happen. You know, that's, uh, that's going to sort of disqualify you from having other people listen to you in the future. Uh, and then we have what can be at times the most controversial, and yet Paul is very clear is one of the, the weaker and lower of the gifts, is the, is the issue of tongues. Uh, tongues, whether that's uh, speaking in tongues or interpretation of tongues. I think we see from the New Testament that mostly this is going to be human languages uh, that maybe people haven't learned or, or shouldn't, shouldn't have the ability to speak. But we see very clearly in Acts, they're human languages that people are supernaturally gifted to speak so that they can hear the gospel and the gospel can spread quickly into languages and tongues that hadn't been spread in before. And there were definitely people there who could understand it. Um, and so typically these are going to be human languages that people can interpret. And again, it's for the edification and for the building up of the church, not for building up of my ego. Uh, so that's something we can see very clearly from the gift of tongues. So now that we've walked through several of these, I want to make uh, five sort of just comments about the different uh, gifts in general as a way of introducing this series. And like I said, as we go forward over the next few weeks, we're going to get specifically in more detail about some of these different gifts. I think at some point um, during the next few weeks, I might be encouraging people to do a little spiritual gifts inventory. Again, with those like personality tests and things like that, these are not 100% gospel or, or accurate, but they're just ways for us to start thinking through and exploring um, what might be some of our areas of gifting. I would encourage you just to talk to people who know you. Uh, talk to people who know you well. Um, they might be able to really help you understand what those gifts are. Um, if you don't, a lot of people, probably, you probably already have in your mind several of these things that you know God has gifted you in. Uh, it could be one, it could be a few, um, but uh, just start thinking about what those might be. And if you're not sure for yourself, like I said, the first step is just ask people who know you, ask people who know you well. But let me give you five truths about spiritual gifts, five truths about spiritual gifts. So first of all, the purpose of the gift is to build up or edify the church. The purpose of a spiritual gift is to build up or edify the church. If you're still in 1 Corinthians, look down a little bit from where we read. If you look in uh, verses 25 and 26, and this is soon after, it's talking about these spiritual gifts. And he's going on encouraging them to understand that they're one body with many members. And he says in verse 25, that there may be no division in the body either. So that the, these gifts are given to, to build up, to encourage, to edify the, the people of God. We're given gifts not so that we'd be divided, so that we'd be united. 
So you, we're, we're, everybody has unique, specific gifts and abilities, and there are people here who need those gifts that you have. So if you are, uh, have this incredible, encouraging exhortation, there are probably people in this body who really need that. And God has brought you here in his sovereignty and put you in this place to use those gifts to encourage those people who need that encouragement and exhortation. If we're a body of Christ who's trying to, to survive here and we're trying to, to send out missionaries and plant new churches and support more missionaries in the world and expand the gospel here in this community, Maybe you're somebody who's been gifted with giving. We need people to give and support the mission of God here. But again, it's about doing these things to build up and edify the church. We need to change our thinking at times. Instead of thinking, are people loving me in this way? How are people using their gifts to serve me? How are my needs being met? We need to shift our thinking to, am I loving others in these ways? Am I loving others with the gifts that God has given me? Am I meeting the needs of other people? We seriously take a second and think about that in our lives now. How am, am I, how is God using me to build up this church? That's an important question for us to think about because we know and we believe very clearly as a church that it's not just about the pastor equipping the people who are the, the partners and members. We believe very clearly if we're partnering together with this church, we're all called as ministers, as missionaries, whatever you want to call it. We're all gifted supernaturally to expand the kingdom of God and to fulfill this mission and to contribute to what the mission of the church and the kingdom of God is in this community and to the ends of the earth. We're all called to that. So we should be able to, to have enough self-reflection, self-awareness to step back and say, how is God using me to build his church? How is God using me to build the kingdom? And if you need help with that, come talk to one of us. Come talk to one of your pastors. Come, Because uh, come, there may be times where you have giftings that we're not necessarily aware of, or maybe it's on us at times to say, man, we need to create some ways for these people to fulfill these, these giftings that God has given them. So we need to shift that thinking to how can we meet the needs of the others. And the other thing I want to encourage you in is you don't necessarily need like an official title or a position to, to use your gifts to encourage other people. If your gift is exhortation, you don't necessarily have to be standing up here on, you know, and preaching from the pulpit to, to encourage and exhort other people. You know, you've, this is why we have DNA. This is why we have life group. We have, we're building relationships with other people so that we can do these things, so we can encourage other people. A lot of times, somebody's going to respond much better to somebody who ha they have a relationship with in a DNA group kind of encouraging and exhorting them in their life than they are from somebody from a pulpit. So you could probably have a better influence one-on-one -on -one than maybe even a pastor can necessarily have from stage. So we have to think about how we're being used to meet the needs of others and to build the church. So the purpose of the gifts is to build up or edify the church. The second thing we're going to see is that gifts are to be exercised under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Gifts are to be exercised under the lordship of Jesus Christ. A couple of verses back up in verse 3 we see, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. So we see this lordship of Jesus, again, as this demonstration of the gifting, the spiritual gifting of these believers. A, a, a true believer, a true Christian who's exercising these spiritual gifts is going to be pointing people to the lordship of Jesus. 
That's where they're going to be. That's what they're going to be pointing to. So, so much of the time we see people with gifting begin pointing to themselves, not necessarily overtly, but there begins to be this self-glorification in these gifts. But again, these are gifts. These are things that have been given to us. It's nothing we've earned. It's nothing we've deserved. Uh, it's, it's God really using us to build up his church and to encourage other people. Uh, so that's the way we have to think about it. It's not because we're special. It's because God chooses to use us in these specific ways. So spiritual gifts are just that. Gifts, they're not the center of our faith. Jesus is the center of our faith. So a person may claim or show evidence of incredible gifting, but if they're not living in submission to Jesus, they're failing in the most important areas of their faith. And, and we see that this does, you're like, well, how would that ever happen? How would somebody have incredible spiritual gifting and yet be failing in their submission to Jesus? Because again, God is using people to minister to other people. So his, his relationship with that specific person, he can use somebody who personally is not in submission to him to build somebody else up if he wants to. He uses a donkey in scripture. He surely, certainly can use me in my lack of faith because he wants to use me to build somebody else up. And if you don't believe me, think about someone like Samson. We just went through the judges. Samson is a great example of this, of someone who personally, he, he per, he's the person who is a great example of someone who's used by God in spite of himself, okay? He personally has very low character, is in very low level of submission to the lordship of God in his life, and yet God uses him to deliver his people. So in that context, if you are a Israelite trying to follow Samson, follow Samson in the ways that he's leading you to Jesus, but in every other way, don't let him be some celebrity or something that you're staking your life or your faith on. And that's very relevant to us today because it's every other day, it seems like, we see some Christian celebrity pastor who we find out, oh my gosh, they weren't submitting to God in their personal life. They had serious problems. They felt like their, their spiritual gifting excused them from personal faithfulness. And so don't follow people because of their gifting. Don't follow people because, oh my gosh, they're the most incredible preacher ever. You know, don't, don't follow people for that. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And, and in the same way, if somebody does fall, it doesn't say, oh, well, that discredits everything that that person did. No, that was God. It was God using that person. Okay? E even if we're talking on a low level, like right here, it's like, wow, well, Chris isn't preaching this morning. Caleb's preaching. Forget that. I'm not going to pay attention anymore. You know? I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I understand. <laughs> but, but ultimately, just because he's more gifted in this than I am, it doesn't mean we don't listen to what God is trying to say from the passage. It doesn't mean we don't listen and try to apply the truth to our lives. Don't think, well, he's not as funny or he's not as, not as clear. You know, that, those things may be true, but at the end of the day, we're listening because it's the word of God being proclaimed. Okay, we're listening because it's the truth from scripture that's being proclaimed. And so we're not following people uh, or we're not a part of a church because of some, you know, local celebrity or international celebrity or, or you know, great Christian celebrity. That, that should not be in our vocabulary. You know, we follow people uh, or we listen to people or because of their following Jesus, because of their obedience to the word of God, because of, it is not because we're impressed by this gift that they have, because again, it's a gift that they've been given. You know, it's, it's something that God has done in them. We, we truly believe in this sovereign God. 
We know that he's the one who does these things. He's the one who builds us up. He's the one who accomplishes his purpose through people in spite of themselves, not because people are so great. Uh, the best, the most godly, the most faithful leader. You know, we look at a Charles Spurgeon or a Jonathan Edwards or, you know, oh my gosh, these people. None of these people are perfect. None of these people. It's, it's in their obedience to Christ and what he did in them and through them that we're able to look to them as examples. Okay, and any one of them would say the same thing. So again, gifts are to be exercised under the lordship of Jesus. They point people to Jesus. They glorify God through Jesus. That's what spiritual gifts are supposed to be about and supposed to be for. Third thing, spiritual gifts don't make you inferior or superior, okay? Spiritual gifts don't make you inferior or superior. This kind of goes along with what we were just talking about. 1 Corinthians um, 12, if you look over in verse 14, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be any sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. So spiritual gifts do not make you inferior or inferior or superior. Listen, this is a natural tendency in human beings in our fallen state to look around us and say, well, I'm just not as godly as that person. Well, I just haven't been gifted like that person has, so, so God must love them more, or they're just better than I am. We compare ourselves to other people in all kinds of ways. Uh, but he's telling us here, every single person has been gifted as our good and sovereign God has chosen to gift them. Every single person is, in, is essential and important to the body of Christ. And every single person is important into what we're trying to accomplish. Again, we think, think back to some of our metaphors. If you're a, a scout team player on a football team, you're probably thinking, I'm not that important. I'm not that necessary. But if you complete your job to the very best of your ability, you're making the team better. And if you don't do your job to the very best of your ability, the team is going to suffer because of it. Okay? Every single person pulling their weight, doing what they're supposed to do, is going to make everyone better. And again, as we see, as Christians, as believers, we know Everyone is only gifted to what God has given them. So we don't look at other jobs and roles and say, well, they're better, or they're worse than mine. They're just different roles that other people have been called to, and we're all called to pull our own weight. We're not called to compare ourselves to other people and their different levels of gifting. So if you think you're not gifted enough, then your thinking is off-center. But we also have that other temptation where people think, well, man, I'm really something special. Man, I'm really something good. You know, I, I can, they wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for me. Well, it's because of my great person. No, we're not doing that either. You know, I love, love the Atlanta Braves. I love Freddie Freeman. I love Ronald Acuna. I think they're great players. But at the end of the day, they get two bats out of nine. Okay? There's a rest of the team that's got to be there. And a good team top to bottom is going to beat two players every single time. Okay? So again, if you don't like sports, I'm sorry. I've gotten into sports. I need to switch back to Lord of the Rings or something. Um, but... 
But it, it, the same thing applies to, to all these things. At the end of the day, the, the weakest members are gonna, can, can ruin for everybody, okay? So, so there is no better or worse. There are different roles and different responsibilities that everybody has. If you're supposed to be somebody who's serving and you're not serving, we got, we got serious problems. And if you go find a church that is really strong and really solid, I guarantee you're going to find people who are selflessly serving, uh, in consistency across the board in those ministries. It's not going to be about that one big person on, on the top. It's going to be about the health is really going to be demonstrated by people in those, those less you know, glorified roles throughout the church. So that, that third thing, spiritual gifts don't make you inferior or superior. It's so, I can't stress it enough, it's so easy for us to start comparing ourselves to other people or wanting this gift or that gift or wh why didn't God do this or that. Just you know, strive to grow in, in these areas, but ultimately have enough self-awareness to know the giftings that God has given us and how we can use those and maximize those to accomplish the kingdom, uh, the, the mission of God and his purposes in the, in the world. Fourth thing, they're gifts given by a sovereign God. Gifts given by a sovereign God. And what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it. So again, this exact message that, that these are things that are given and gifted to us by God as gifts, not because I'm so great, but because God is so great. Not because I'm so wise, but God, because God is so wise. God is able to use somebody like Samson in spite of himself because he's a sovereign and good God who cares about his people. It's not, you're not trying to make a superhero out of Samson. He's trying to accomplish deliverance and salvation for his people, and he accomplishes that. So God gifts the people in his sovereignty and in his wisdom to accomplish his purposes in the world. Fifth thing, and this is one of the most important things we'll say throughout this time, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we will come back to this and I think in a lot more detail a little bit later on, uh, but these gifts are useless without love. These gifts are useless without love. And we're going to hit just for a second on the first part of 1 Corinthians 13, which comes right after. Again, I'm telling you, this: the gifts are situated uh, in selfish church who's being encouraged to become a loving and selfless church. And so we see right here in chapter 13, 1 through 3, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So again, a reorientation of thinking is important for us because we have to understand as opposed to what our culture would teach us, I'm not most important. It's not all about me, okay? Our schedule and our agenda aren't more important than someone else's schedule or agenda. We need to be people who show patience and truly listen to other people when we don't feel like it. This is a lot harder if you really think about this in your everyday life, not just hearing it from a, from a pulpit, but really think about, there. look, there are people in life that are gonna annoy you. There are people in life who are going to tax you. There are going to, people in life who are going to demand a lot of your attention. There are people in the body of Christ who we wouldn't necessarily be best friends with outside of the body of Christ. Newsflash. 
That's okay, all right? But we can't come into the body of Christ and be a part of this and say, well, I don't like the things they like, so we're not, you know, I'm not going to spend time with them. That's, no, the beauty of the body of Christ is that it is bringing people from every different background, from every different life, you know, and bringing them together as, as one people and uniting them in faith in it as a family. That's what we're called. And so we're truly supposed to love each other, to be patient with each other, to treat others, all other people, with dignity and concern, and to never just take people for granted. So we have to, if we find ourselves being the kind of people who are constantly secluding ourselves from other people and judging other people and cutting ourselves off from other people, that is not biblical. That is not scriptural. We see very clearly that we're called to be united with other people, to unite ourselves to other people, to open up to other people, to be vulnerable to other people. And this is a hard thing for me to say because it does not come naturally for me. Okay, I can be very honest with you in that. But to be open, to be honest, to be vulnerable, to share, those are, those are not things that come naturally for everyone. But we're all called to be a family, to be open, to unite ourselves, to, to expose our own weaknesses and our own flaws so that other people can then use their gifts on us, with us. If we don't open up, then a lot of times we're not allowing other people to use the gifts that God has given them in our lives. And then we're not going to have the opportunity to use our giftings for others. And so we're called to love each other. And in loving each other, we're patient with each other. We care for one another. We show true concern for each other. Time. In our world, our time, our day and age, this is one of the biggest ones. Man, we don't have, we got to move along. If you're not saying something that's interesting to me, if you're not saying something that engages me, I'm moving on to the next person. Okay? Because if nothing else, I can sit here and look on my Instagram feed, and that's way more interesting than what you're saying right now. All right? That's kind of the, the culture that we live in. Time is valuable. We have tons of things competing for our time and our attention. And a lot of times, if, if I don't really like this person, I don't really feel like giving them my time. We're called to give each other time, to, to give each other our energy, to give each other our concern and our true compassion. These are one of the, some, maybe some of the hardest things for us to do, but some of the most necessary things for us to do if we're truly going to be a church, truly going to be a family of God, truly going to build each other up and use these gifts in the way that God has called us to use them. So these gifts are useless without true and genuine love. And we see from Scripture, that's self-sacrificing. That's giving of my life for the good of others. So as we're wrapping things up today, a couple of challenges for you. First of all, plug into the life of the church. Whether you know your giftings right now or not, plug into the body, plug into the life of the church. Ask yourself honestly, how am I being used to build up the people of God in this place? How is God using you to encourage others, or how is he using your gifts to build up the church? Okay, that's the first thing. Next, Try to find out what your gifts are to see how you can use those to serve other people. Ask other people that you trust. Like I said, at some point we'll be doing some kind of a, a survey of some kind that can help us. Again, they're not necessarily perfect, but they can help. So just try to find some ways to determine what those areas of gifting are and how you might be able to cultivate those and how you might be able to strengthen those so that we can use them to build up the body of Christ. Ask God to show you areas of spiritual pride and repent of those things. What are those areas where your giftings may make a little bit more uh, teaching ability, whatever it is, and they're not quite as good as me, they're not quite where I am. What are those areas where we feel that way? Repent of those, because we know these are gifts that we've been given, okay? 
Everything that we have that is good is a gift from God. Everything about our character and our ability and our strength, that's a gift from God. We have nothing to be prideful of in ourselves. Okay? And then also, in the same turn, find those areas where you feel intimidated or weak or like you're not strong enough and let go of those things as well. You don't have to compare yourself to other people. And finally, ask God to give you a true and genuine love for other people because at the end of the day, all these things are worthless if they don't have love.